1: Costos joining us this morning. Good to see you, sir. How you doing, my friend?
2: It's chilling. How we doing, gentlemen? What's going on?
1: We're going to see if we can get you hot because the Houston Astros sort of apologizing. Even asked, what do you say if you're the Yankees, your team apologizing this morning at spring training, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, owner Jim Crane. Listen. Thank you, Jim. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with y'all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I've learned from this and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Alex. Uh, I also will be brief. We had a great uh, team meeting last night and I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in, in 2017. <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the gain of baseball. And our team is determined to, to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in, in 2020. Thank you.
1: Uh, Mr. Crane, what do you have to say to the Yankees and teams that you beat in 17?
0: Listen, the the Yankees have had a few comments out there. Um, You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, We had a good team. Um, We won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that.
2: Nick Costos, your reaction? I mean, they're fucking clown-ass, fraud-ass motherfuckers, right? I mean, like, who would believe this shit? Like, the guy gets... Imagine, like, the ball... And I guess, like, it's kind of like a a couple ways to take this, right? Because, like, what are they supposed to say? Like, if you're a Jim Crane, what are you supposed to say? Like, yeah, like, we won because we cheated. Then, like, it opens up another can of worms. So, like, one part of me kind of understands why they kind of had to do this and take the PR hit because there's really nothing they can say. But really, like, it's almost like, don't say anything. Like, I would rather not hear anything than hear him say it. It's our opinion that that this didn't have anything to do with the game. It's his opinion, guys. Think about this. It's this fucking ass clown Jim Crane's opinion that cheating didn't impact the game. It's also my opinion that the sky is red and grass isn't green and, you know, water is dry. That's my opinion. Like, if this guy can get up there in front of the media and go, it's my opinion that cheating didn't impact the game. Well, then let's all make up a bunch of shit. Like it's my opinion that I'm actually not five foot seven. I'm six foot seven. I'm actually tall. That's how I'm gonna live my life right now. If these assholes can get up there and fucking lie to people's faces, then so am I. Cheating didn't impact the game. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve. Like, does anyone? And like, I'm a Yankee fan, so like, I'm biased. And I guess people will be like, oh, you're a fucking bitter Yankee fan. Like, what? What do you guys think? Like. Who, will, who is ever going to listen to anything Jose Altuve or Alex Bregman ever have to say ever again? Like, you cheated, you thumbed your nose at it, especially that piece of shit Bregman. And I'd love to hear what fucking Justin Verlander has to say about all this. Justin Verlander's got something to say about fucking everything. He's, you know, killing writers from the Detroit Free Press last year, you know, who, who, who used to cover him when he was with the Tigers. That guy he gives shit to. Verlander's got a comment about everything under the sun, but then his team cheats to win the World Series, and now he's on the fucking side of a milk carton. Like, get these fuckers out of my face. Like, they're going to get booed relentlessly all season long. It's not going to be enough. They should really have the World Series title stripped from them, and they should thank their lucky stars that that's not the case. Like, the toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put it back in. But, like, all of these guys, especially Bregman and Altuve, like, scarlet letter C for the rest of their careers, that C stands for cheating. Cheating, lying-ass, scumbag-ass motherfuckers. Fuck the Houston Astros. All right.
0: So, (laughs) a couple things. One is... You know, we just <coughs> we just heard the audio. We didn't see the video, but that just seemed so fake and insincere that it almost was like a Saturday Night Live skit. And Altuve slides in the in 2017 when we already know now they've done it other years. Washington Post just had that story that people were suspecting for years. And he thinks he can just slide in that in 2017. My question, Nick, maybe I'm missing something, but why do you say, especially Bregman and Altuve? Like, do we know that they were more involved? Like maybe I missed that.
2: Well, I Bregman's kind of always been like one of these guys that's like, fuck everybody else. I'm better than everybody. And I think that's kind of why they sent him up there because he's one of been one of these fucking righteous, holier-than-thou, sanctimonious, self-righteous, son-of-a-bitch, pieces of shit that gets up there and is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're the Houston Astros. We're fucking better than everyone. And then Altuve's the fucking MVP, and Altuve's the one who's like, oh, no, don't rip my shirt off. My wife doesn't like it. Like, fuck. <laughs> fuck you, oh. man. Fuck you, man. You're fucking li- You're lying. Like, they're liars. Everyone, know anyone with half a fucking brain, even the most fucking dumbass Houston Astro fanatic, and like all fans are dumb to a degree, including me, so like I'm not trying to be like Astro's fans are dumber than anyone else, except they are in this instance, right? I think that kind of is the case. Who in their right minds would believe anything these guys have to say? Who would believe it? Who would believe it? It's our opinion that cheating didn't affect the outcome of the game, really? Is that your opinion? Great. It's of my fucking opinion then that, that that the fucking that that the moon is what actually lights up Earth you know, during daylight and not the sun. That's my opinion. Cheating did impact. Fuck you. Fuck them. <laughs> like just don't so, say anything. Don't fucking say anything instead of saying that.
0: Yeah, that that should have been a no comment. That's a bad comment by him. So, yeah. I mean, they have to answer like Altuve. They have to answer for whether or not they had buzzers, right? Number one. Number two. I'm just so curious to see how much worse his players they are now. I guess it's not going to make, like, will it be a noticeable difference or not really?
2: You know, it's really we talk about this on You Better, You Bet. It's really like kind of tough to say here because this is kind of unprecedented, right? So, like, Baseball Prospectus has their Pecota projections, right? Which is like their their algorithm that they run to determine like what a player's performance is going to be, you know, based on 162 games, like a, a that huge sample size, and then you know, kind of um, projecting what records are going to be, right? So, the Astros per Pecota are projected to win 98 games this year, <laughs> which is like a real. The Yankees are projected to win 99 games, just for the sake of comparison, right? So. I think when you look at on the field, like the Astros are still really good. Like Jose Altuve is still a good player, like, regardless of whether or not they had the sign stealing. Like, Alex Bregman is still a good player. Verlander's still going to be a good pitcher. They have still got good players. But what you can't quantify is the black cloud that's going to be hanging over them the entire season. The fact that they're maybe they're like pro wrestling heels and they're going to like like feed off of the booing that they're going to take on the road with them the entire season. Maybe they're going to be better for it. But I think it's it's kind of it's kind of very tough to quantify what the Astros are going to look like this year. I tend to think that they're probably going to be a little better than people expect them to be in the regular season, just because the talent is there. Um. So I actually, yeah, I I. I I, I think they're going to win the AL West still. And I think this is going to be like a big time issue for baseball the entire season. Cause I don't think the Astros are going to be go to like, this is not an 81 and 81 team. Like no way, no how like people stay healthy. This is a team that's winning 90 plus games. There's no doubt about it.
1: Uh, here's my question though, Nick, how do you feel about major league baseball and all this? Look, I blame the Astros. I think they're a bunch of douchebags. I hope they get booed. I hope they get crucified. And by the way, Justin Verlander has still not said a word this morning. Amazing. Uh, Can't say anything on Twitter. Hasn't spoken this morning. But don't you blame Major League Baseball. First off, there's no freaking way that they didn't know this was going on. It's impossible to assume that this was going on at ballparks for that long, beating at trash cans, and they weren't suspicious. That was even before the Washington Post told us yesterday that several teams were complaining about the Astros cheating. And then there's the whole buzzers thing. And clearly, by all indication, Jose Altuve was wearing some sort of buzzer on Oraldus Chapman because the guy's not shy about taking his shirt off and looked like he knew that pitch was coming. But don't you blame Major League Baseball? And don't you just feel shitty in general about the whole game right now
2: because of this? Well, I think that I don't know if it's totally fair like to criticize like current baseball leadership because then I think you got to go back in perpetuity kind of, right? Because then like we got to kill Bud Sealink who like turned a blind eye to the steroid era when it was really obvious like and I, look, that was more obvious yeah. because like fucking Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer no matter what. Like, he was a Hall of Famer before the steroids, but when his head suddenly ballooned to the size of the fucking Grand Canyon, like, you know, the guy's on steroids, right? When people's bodies are changing physically. So, I don't know if we really like, sure, like, you can kill Rob Manfred and you can kill baseball leadership, but then I think you kind of have to go back and kill, like, the ceiling ceiling for sure, right? Because this has been going on for a long time in Major League Baseball. The one thing I wanted to add to kind of like, I guess it's kind of like to both your questions just now, I thought what Bob Melvin said yesterday was very interesting. The Oakland Athletics manager, like there's this we always hear about in baseball, right? And there are a couple instances every year in the regular season, usually where like it gets brought to light, whether it's you know Madison Baumgartner serving up a home run to Max Muncie and getting upset about it, or you know wh- whatever it may be, where the quote-unquote unwritten rules of Major League Baseball are being you know are being t- you know taken advantage of, and like the old guard gets gets really upset, right? So like there are people out there, um, and I'm not looking to like. Talk about the Jessica Mendoza thing at all, because that's not really relevant to this. But I'm just bringing it up. Or like, Mike Fires had his critics, right, for coming out and being the one to blow the whistle on this situation. And normally, it's a situation where in baseball, like that kind of shit does not fly. And if we read like the Athletic stories that they had talking about, um, like how everyone was afraid to car- uh, challenge Carlos Beltran in the Astros clubhouse because he was like the senior member there, like kind of gives you an indication of the way like the quote-unquote unwritten rules of baseball kind of preside over everything. Well, Bob Melvin kind of fucking threw a Molotov cocktail into that yesterday when he was basically like yeah we we knew they were cheating and I'm paraphrasing it's not exactly what he said but it's basically what he said the spirit of what he said was I'm glad that fires did this and I'm glad that they got exposed that's a baseball manager coming out and saying that and if he feels that way, chances are a lot of teams in Major League Baseball feel that way. So I don't think this is an instance where this is just going to get swept under the rug and people are going to go about their business. Like, people are pissed about this. Like, the A's play in the same division as the Astros. The Yankees got robbed of a, of, a, of a at least a World Series appearance in 2017. The Dodgers got robbed of a World Series championship. And wait till the shit comes out to see what the Red Sox were probably doing last year. So... I, I don't think this is done by any stretch of the imagination, um, and I'm, I'm reticent kind of to kill baseball for this because then I think you kind of have to kill baseball for a lot of different things.
0: All right, so Nick, my last question on this, and I think I've asked this in some way, shape, or form before, but I want to ask you again. If the New York Yankees were the team that did this, what would you be saying honestly on this show right now?
2: The cheaters, like, it's awful. Like, no, like, you all, know, like it really is. It's terrible. And it's like, if it came out that the Yankees were doing something similar, then like, I'm going to have to fucking bite the bullet and be like, hey, the Yankees are cheating ass, scumbag ass frauds as well. I mean, there's just like, like th- that's kind of, you know, if I'm, it just has to be fair, right? If I'm going to kill the Astros, then I'd have to kill any team that did it. Um, I think it's naive to think that teams aren't doing this in some way, shape or form. And I think that kind of falls under like the umbrella of the unwritten rules of baseball and like if you like if people haven't read it like that athletic story that came out a couple of days ago <laughs> that was like centered around Carlos Beltran and like Beltran saying like like talking about like oh like well, what we're doing was far superior to what's going on here. Every team's doing this to a degree. The Astros took it to another level, though. That's kind of what what I think is the most striking about this, and then kind of denied it and thumbed their noses at it, which is what really pisses me off and pisses other people off. But I would kill the—so if it comes out that the Yankees were doing something similar, then you got to kill them, too. And I would kill them, fairly.
1: Fair enough. Agree with that. I want to get your thoughts on another of your teams, and that's the New York Knicks, who had some interesting stories this week. One was that they're the most valuable organization in the NBA, $4.6 billion for an organization that can't get out of its own way. They have their branding rep, Steve Stout, go on ESPN and basically fire the coach and the entire staff, prompting Mike Francesa, radio.com, to say how much more of a laughingstock is, can this franchise become? Can you answer Francesca's question?
2: No, no, I don't want to. Do we have to talk about the Knicks? Like, why? <laughs> like, wh- what is what is different like this than anything else that's happened over the last 20 years? It's Groundhog Day. Like, I stopped like giving a shit. Like, your guy Dylan that you have working on the show, I give Dylan a lot of credit, Dylan Burns, right? He is still like emotionally invested in the Knicks. And like, and he didn't even he's younger. He didn't even get the 90s like I did to really appreciate like how good like the Knicks can be and how the city transforms when the Knicks are good. Um, like I had when I was growing up as a kid, but like, here's what I would say to Dylan and all the other people that are like emotionally invested in the Knicks. Why, why would you do this to yourself? Like, I, I really don't care. Like, I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's news. Wow. The Knicks are a clown show. Great. How is this any different than anything else that's happened over the last 20 years? They suck. I'm, I'm hoping against hope. That Leon Rose, I wanted World Wide West to be involved also. I'm hoping against hope that Leon Rose can help bring some credibility to this organization, but who the fuck knows, man? I mean, fucking Jackass the clown is still in charge, fucking Jim Dolan. So I, I you know, I I don't fucking know. I I don't fucking care. I'm like, I'm past it. I can't do right, my energy so, getting upset about the Knicks. I just can't.
0: All <laughs> right. So Nick, do you care about the XFL? What did you think opening weekend? What did you like? What did you not like? And now that you have a game under your belt, do you feel confident placing some bets here XFL week two?
2: Oh, I like the XFL. Yeah, I'm into it. I like the segment that you guys did the other day, by the way, Ross, and I thought you're you're – kind of your rant on the subject was awesome when you're like, I'll keep dating the XFL for now, but obviously the NFL is your main chick, so I understand that, the, you know, you're not going to marry the XFL. I'm into the XFL as a fling as well now for the spring. I, I, I kind of really like it, just as an alternative, something else to bet on. That's really what it comes down to for me. Like, I'll just be real with you guys because I'm always real on the show and whatever I talk about, you know, um, to people is um like baseball's proposal for the extra playoff teams and like all the shit that they propose. I love it because it's more shit to gamble on. It's more fun. Like the XFL is more shit to gamble on. It's more fun. It's more stuff to talk about. So I like it for that reason and that reason alone. Is the product as good as the NFL? No, obviously not. I do, though, objectively think that it's better than the Alliance product from last year. Where I mean, those were tough games to watch because like the wide receivers were so bad. Like they couldn't complete the forward pass. At least we saw a little more of that this past weekend. So I do think the product's better. I think the way they're presenting it is really interesting. Obviously, so I think that there's some viability to it. I don't. I don't think it's ever gonna you know touch one of like any of the other major sports, but as an alternative, something to bet on, play Daily Fantasy. I'm into it. And I do think that there's information that we can glean from what happened last week to handicap some games this weekend. So here's kind of what I'm thinking for uh, for this weekend and some games, and I'll run through them really quickly. Let's start with Dallas and Los Angeles. Um, Dallas lost as a, as a favorite last weekend at home to St. Louis, but didn't have Landry Jones in that game. Now, there's an Oklahoma pipeline there. Bob Stoops, the former um, Oklahoma coach, is the head coach of Dallas. Um, Landry Jones, a former Oklahoma quarterback, is Dallas' quarterback. Jones didn't play last week in the air raid offense, but Jones is going to play this week, and we expect Josh Johnson to not play for Los Angeles. And I think there's a case to be made. Josh Johnson's the best quarterback in the XFL, based on what he did last year for the Redskins in the NFL. But Josh Johnson's not going to play here. Dallas is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Landry Jones is expected to start. I would look to lay it with Dallas, I'm um, laying the three-and-a-half um, in Los Angeles. Houston is an eight-point favorite against St. Louis. St. Louis looked good last weekend beating Dallas, but again, Dallas didn't have its starting quarterback. Houston's head coach is June Jones, who basically invented one of the, um, the one of the uh, the forefathers of the run-and-shoot and really doesn't get a lot of credit for the offensive innovation he brought to the NFL in the 90s. Similar to the late, great Sam Weiss, who was the Bengals, Angels coach who basically invented the K gun, which the Bills later adopted with Jim Kelly and Marv Levy, that took them to four Super Bowls. But Weish gets no credit, similar to the way that June Jones doesn't get credit for the for the passing game innovations he brought to the NFL. Jones has said that his system didn't work in the NFL because the defensive talent is so great, but that's why it works in, you know college when he coached at Hawaii and had Colt Brennan and, t- and, and others that put up huge numbers, why it worked in the CFL and why it's going to work in the XFL. And his quarterback, PJ Walker, looks like a stud and someone who may get NFL looks honestly based on what he did last weekend. So Houston's an eight point favorite over St. Louis up from seven and a half. I would look to lay it with Houston um, in that game. DC and New York. This is a tough one. DC opened as a five point favorite. Both these teams won last weekend. DC now sitting as a touchdown favorite, but we kind of throw away the key numbers, right? Given like the crazy extra point rules here. So three and seven don't mean a lot, so I don't think there's anything to get like to get uptight about given that the spread is seven. I'd look to lay it with DC. I think DC's probably the best team in the league. I like Cardell Jones. I don't think the Guardians were as good as they looked when they when they shut down Mark Tressman in Tampa Bay last week. So I would look to lay it with DC. The toughest game is this Tampa Seattle game. Both teams were losers last week. Tampa's a three-point road favorite up from two. I would probably look to lay it with Tampa because Tampa was the odds-on favorite to win the XFL before week one. Seattle's coach is Jim Zorn, who's an absolute fucking idiot, um, and Seattle was bad last week. So I'd look to lay it with Tampa, but that's the game that I feel least strong about. So I like D.C. laying the seven. Give me Dallas laying the three and a half. Houston laying the eight. Three favorites for XFL week two.
1: Nick Kostos was some good stuff there. I, I wish they embraced more of the gambling on the broadcast. We were told they would ESPN flirted with it. They had the line of the over under and it looked like almost every game was under, by the way, um, just embrace it. And then it looked like Fox took that off, right? I'd like to see more gambling references in the broadcast, like fully on embrace it, but clearly Fox is not comfortable. ESPN more. Well, so. not yet. G- I
2: w- well, not yeah. yet. I, I think I, Dave, I think they're going to get there. Eventually, mm. um, I think that it's, and this is me as like, look, I do this for a living. So like, it's it's great for me when, when shit like this happens. I think that yeah. this is like, and this is my, I could be wrong and you could be right. I feel like this is like, it's not a toe in the water. It's more like, maybe like they're like knee deep or ankle deep at this point, but they're getting there. Like they're going in the water. It's just a, a question of when they get there. So I actually, I'm actually enthused, um, enthused and what's the fuck? What's the word I'm looking for? I'm i uh, I'm happy by- Enthusiastic? I'm, enthusiastic. I don't even think it's the way in, in any events. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pleasantly surprised with where this has gone. this Encouraged. Far. Encouraged is the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much. Yes.
0: No worries. Are you excited <laughs> and or encouraged about, I, you know, I never even thought Nick about betting on like the dunk contest oh, or three point shooting contest. I feel like that would be
2: amazing. Oh yeah, I've been doing it for like 15 years. It's great. It's tremendous. Um and honestly, it makes Saturday is a more fun all-star weekend day than Sunday because the game is like whatever and like honestly I tried I tried to read like when they put out, and I know it's to honor Kobe. So like, I'm not like, I am not shitting on that part of it where like, like they're going to 24 at the end. But I'm trying to like read the rules of like this new all-star game. And it felt like I was studying for a test and I'm like, fuck, I've been out of college for like 15 years, I'm done. 20 years, I'm out. So I'm out. I'm not even, I'm not even looking at the shit. So I don't even know what the rules are. I don't care. It's irrelevant to me. Um, but Saturday night, It's going to be great. So we've got the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and the skills contest. I'll give you quick picks for all three. Aaron Gordon's going to win the dunk contest. He's the favorite, plus 130. We remember... You know, everyone wants to talk about the Vince Carter dunk contest in 2000, the Michael Jordan-Dominique great showdowns in the late 80s. The Aaron Gordon-Zach Levine dunk contest, which Levine won, which Aaron Gordon probably should have won, is one of the great dunk contests of all time. Like Gordon is like a world-class dunker, and not just a world-class dunker, but a world-class like prop dunker in an event like this. So, I mean, there are other guys like, like Dwight Howard. You know, if he does a big Kobe tribute and, like, it came out after Kobe passed that, you know, Kobe was going to be maybe involved with the dung for Dwight. If he does a big Kobe tribute, maybe that gets, like, the sentimental vote. And I hate to kind of use that in, like, handicapping, but I think we have to here. Um, I'm still going to go with Aaron Gordon plus 130. He's the favorite. Um, in the three-point contest, here's a change that everyone needs to know about. So in addition to the regular, like, five stations or or is it five? Yeah, five stations where you shoot from. Now you have a couple shots from a farther distance as well. Um, that you can get more points on. And I think that's going to favor Trey Young, honestly, who like who is bombs away all the time. Trey Young is one of the favorites here, but I look to him to win the three-point contest. And let's take a shot right now um, at, for the skills competition here. I'm going to take a big man here, and let's keep in mind that De'Aaron Fox was the favorite last year. Didn't make it out of the first round, because if you get tripped up on like the passing or the three-point at the end, you can easily get eliminated in something like this. So I'm looking for long shots when it concerns the skills challenge. I'm going to take a look at the son of – He's not my Vetus. He's not your Vetus. Our Vetus Sabonis, our Vetus' son, DeMontis of the Indiana Pacers, is a big man who, like his pops, who... Came to the NBA late, just a quick aside here. Arvita Sabonis, if he had played in the NBA in his prime, would have gone down as like the greatest passing big man of all time, one of the greatest centers of all time, but came to the NBA late, so doesn't get the credit he deserves. DeMontis is a great passing big man. He can put the ball on the ground. He can shoot from long distance. DeMontis Sabonis, plus 700, will be my pick for the skills competition.
1: Sabonis for the skills competition, Gordon for the dunk, Trey Young for the three, love it. All right, want to see what kind of human being you are before we go, Costos? And it's really easy. When you're pulling into a, a crowded one. parking lot. Well, I, I'm not sure about that. I still have faith in you. You're pulling into a crowded parking lot. Well, I don't lot, really care what you spend. Behind that. you. That's cool. Uh, it could be the morning. could be the afternoon. Everyone's impatient. Everyone's trying to get in and out. Crowded parking lots. My hell. Are you backing into a spot? to save yourself 10 seconds later on in the afternoon, are you pulling straight in the spot and let everyone go about their business? Are you selfish or unselfish?
2: Um, I don't really think that's like a selfish thing to do that. I mean, I don't really back into spots because I have like bad depth perception. So, like, I I am a great driver, right? Like, I'm a phenomenal driver, but when it comes to, like, parking and shit, like, I feel like I may need glasses or something because my depth perception's all off. Like, I'll park, and I'll think I'm, like, right up on the curb, and I'm, like, 10 feet away from it. And, like, I have, like, 20, 20 vision, so it's, like, weird. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, I don't think there's really a problem with people, like, backing into the spots. Like, what's what's wrong with that?
0: Exactly. And here's the thing. Holding everyone up. You know better, Dave. You know better as a true journalist You asked both Nick and Fourier the most leading biased questions I've ever heard. Are you selfish or unselfish? Are you there? And they both still shot you down. You have literally spent two hours getting destroyed on the national internet airwaves. You give leading bullshit questions (laughs) and you still don't have them go the way you want them to go. That's not entirely true
1: because Christian said if he feels like it's a crowded parking lot with traffic moving,
0: he in a hurry, in. He's going to he go fuck we all
2: every. back Dave, in. You're you're Jim Crane, Dave, just fucking take the L, brother. Like it's okay. Oh, just take that L. Just take the, But like but, but like I, I but in all seriousness, like I fail to like why is that it like it's really not that like there's a lot of shit that gets under my skin and pisses me off like I don't think that's one of them. Oh, it is. It gets like you know under what pissed sp- me off yesterday. You know if, what pissed me yeah. off yesterday? Like what? I went to park. I got my haircut yesterday. I went to park in front of the fucking in front of the salon, and some fucking asshole was like halfway in both fucking spots. So I had to like. Park, like, way back in order to get a spot that was, like, somewhat close to where I, where I needed to go. That fucking piss. That guy should be fucking. I would I'm. I would never say that someone should be executed for something like that. But if I were to say it, it would be about that person that was in both spots. That's That kind of shit is infuriating. The person that wants to back into a spot but, like, stay within the lines and, like, not be in multiple spots. That's okay. It's the fucking assholes that can't fucking fit in one spot that should be fucking killed. I said it. That's right. Executed. Jesus, that is hot,
1: hot take. I don't like that guy either. That guy is actually Who's worse, worse than the moron. Thank you. That guy's worse, that guy's Can worse. I ask you guys a Can qu- I-, I
2: ask you guys a question? Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Are we yeah. over time? I yeah. don't care. Um, yes, did you guys, I do. Did you guys see the, <laughs> I appreciate that. Did you guys see the video of like, and I don't know whether it's doctored or not, of the guy like hitting the woman's seat that was reclining on the airplane? That was on Twitter yeah. like all day yesterday. Here's my yeah. take on that. No. I think they're, bo- yeah. they're both assholes. That's my take on it. They both suck. The guy that's hitting the chair sucks. Because I had this happen to me recently when I was flying to Chicago for one of the You Better You Bet shows. When I was in an exit row, my plane, my seat couldn't recline, and the guy in front of me was reclining. And not only was he, was he reclining, but like he was like, I thought he was like, like in the fucking like, bouncy castle going back and forth on it. And I kept, and I fucking put my knee right in the fucking middle of that fucking chair. And so I didn't, so I, I kind of did it to a degree, but I was not like punching the chair or doing anything like that. So I think, you know, we all have to remember at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? They're both assholes, though. The fucking recliner's an asshole, and the fucking, it's it, only an asshole because it's the last row of the plane. That's the only reason why. Otherwise, I think everyone should recline.
1: Okay, that's Ross is a recliner. Ross is a recliner. This, so am this I. like, what's discussion. wrong
2: with reclining? Have like, to.
1: I go with the flow. I go with the flow. I don't want to be the only guy reclining. I don't want to be the one why? dickhead that's breaking up the role of everyone who's being courteous to everyone else. Well,
2: fuck that. But, but well, honestly, so here's my thought. Look, like, if everyone has the ability to recline, I think, like, there should be, like— like it should be unwritten rules of flying like unwritten rules of baseball. If you're seating, sitting in front of the exit row, you should not be able to recline because they can't recline. So then you're right in their fucking shit. Well, I guess this kind of then, I guess my idea sucks because then you'd have to Defeat go all the way. It defeats your the whole plane. purpose, idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's <stupid>. <laughs> <laughs> The
0: row in front, the row in yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> the row in front. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna be Jim Crane, guys, and be like, I still think my idea was a good idea.
0: Hey, hey, <laughs> dude, let me, just, let me just summarize, okay? The, the whole plane is designed for everybody to recline, number one. Like if you look at a map and see a video when everybody reclines, it's perfect. And number two, make sure you don't have the row where you can't recline. How about doing a little research? How about picking your seat ahead of time, okay? I don't feel bad for the morons that don't do that.
2: God, blame blame slapdick Eli Herskovich, who booked the, my producer, you better, you better book the flight for me and fucking put me in an exit yeah, row. And ask.
0: Twenty-four hours before it's before you when you check in, switch it to a different row. Boom. Usually too late. Crowded flight.
1: We're way no. over time, but Costos, Costos, do you put effort into Valentine's Day? We're gonna get to this tomorrow. Or do yeah. you just hate Valentine's Day like I do? Oh, you do? What do you do? Do you roll out roses?
2: See, I think here's what what's talking? really interesting about this is yeah. Dave kind of like, Dave kind of like presents himself as being like this like great guy where like, and I present myself as being a piece of shit, but I get the sense that Dave is actually like a, like a crusty old piece of shit. And I'm actually a really nice guy. I'm a romantic man. I like all this shit. I'm into it, man. I went to, I, my Dave's a lot. Right
0: Dave's now. a lot more of a negative hater than I ever realized. He, he <laughs> hates on everybody. He hates everything. He's negative. I Lead love
2: day right i love
0: valentine's day and tomorrow we're gonna talk about why you know what who knows how many precious valentine's days you'll ever have with your wife and daughter ever you better enjoy the shit out of it make them all feel special and stop being a pussy i'll see you tomorrow
2: i i agree with you. sorry dave
0: valentine's day sucks see you guys tomorrow
2: i kind of think you suck